I'm Sean McCormick, and this is Optimal Performance. Like, no, you don't have imposter syndrome. You're just lacking confidence. There's two very different things. You can't solve imposter syndrome easily. Confidence, you can work to it. So if you choose your destiny, the destiny is going to happen. But if you don't choose it, everybody else gets to def define it. And when everybody else gets to define it, you're the least important person. Uh, for us to understand ourselves a little bit better on how we operate as human beings is to use our energy system same as a battery. The most creative people I know have ADD. I don't know why they should be on a medication. Like, it makes no bloody sense to me. I'm like, why would you stop creativity of a person because of some stupid-ass thing that somebody says you have? That, everyone, is Ajit Nawalka, and he is the co-founder of Mind Valley and Evercoach, a couple of platforms specifically to help people become their most awesome versions of themselves. He is by all accounts, a master coach. And in this episode, aptly released on the first day of 2024, is around how to make better decisions, how to do self-coaching, how to set goals, and what is a systematic way to set your goals for yourself for this year. We talked about his morning routine, we talked about why he decided to get fit, and this is a very, very timely episode that is packed full of amazing information you know, as a coach myself, I work with people from all over the world who want to improve in their lifestyle, in their career, in their relationships. And I really enjoyed this conversation because Ajit is so focused and so practical with some of the tactics. You're going to want to listen to this one probably twice and take some notes and then activate on some of this stuff. You can learn more about what Najit does by checking out his book. Go to Coach. Ajit, that's A-J-I-T, coachajit.com forward slash live big. And you can get a free download of his new book. It's actionable. It's interesting. It can change your life. Welcome to 2024, everyone. I hope you have a fantastic start to your year. Let's work hard. Let's get better. Let's live optimal. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Ajit Nawalka. I'm here with Ajit Dewalka. He is the author of Live Big and also the founder and CEO of Evercoach. Uh, Ajit, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thank you, my man. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. Me too. I'm really happy to have you. You know, we could go so many different directions in this podcast. I'm going to make it really easy on you, but I am curious for someone as prolific and effective um, in so many different areas of your life, I want you to tell our audience about your morning routine. Tell, tell me what you, what, how you start your day. Wow. My morning routine is going to disappoint a few people. <laughs> I'll tell you why in a second. Uh, I have two wonderful children. Uh, they are two and four, uh, which makes my morning routine much different than a biohacker or somebody who optimizes their time and optimizes their routine a lot. Uh, it's because I love the morning with my kids. Uh, as they're two and four, the mornings in the Navalka household starts with a lot of cuddles. Uh, that's what really our mornings are. It's a cuddling time for probably 10 to 15 minutes before anything gets done. And that's our morning meditation. <laughs> that's how we get ourselves ready for the day. Uh, and we play in the bed and play outside until they're getting their breakfast in. Um, and that's what my morning is. And by us, I mean my two kids and my wife. So we had a ball of a time in the morning. The first 15, 20 minutes is just us loving on each other, uh, which I highly recommend if you have children uh, that you try that. Um, once that happens, then it's more prep time for my kids. So I'm somebody who likes to be really present. So I don't walk away and I don't start meditating or go to my gym at that time. 
Uh, I actually, I'm with my kids. Um, I want to make sure that their their lunches are great, their breakfast is great. While we have helped to do all of that, I I, I oversee it and sometimes prepare it for them. Uh, and my wife prepares it sometimes, depending on who's feeling it that day. Um, and that's really my morning. So my morning routine actually really starts when I walk through my office, which is about 8.30 in the morning. So about 30 minutes in the morning from 8.30 to 9, 9 is when I actually start working. 8.30 to 9 is my time. And 8.30 to 9, the things that happen is I, I meditate at the time for about 10 minutes. Uh, I have my own practice of meditation. I would in include some movement and some music in that morning thing. As I drive to work, I drive about eight, 10 minutes to work. I might listen to an audiobook or something that is inspirational for me for the day. So my morning routine really involves a little bit of movement, not a full exercise. That happens around 3.30 in the afternoon. Uh, I, it would have a meditation. It would have my own um, preparation of a drink, which is, do, are you familiar with this brand called Strong Coffee? Yeah. Yeah, so that's my morning Joe, you can say. I would make one cup of strong coffee because it, it's the easiest way for me to get the MCT oil and everything blended into one. Uh, so that would be my coffee in the morning. And then, yeah, that's pretty much my morning routine. Nice. Doing some meditations and uh, audios that help me set myself up for the day. I love, I love the starting with cuddles and, you know, my, my kids are 10 and seven and it's essential. I mean, it's, it's absolutely essential and it, and it's, it's hard to not pick up your phone and look at what's going on in the world, but it is so important because they absorb everything. You know, obviously they're still in yours are tiny, you know, still in that sort of beta brainwave state, just absorbing, you know, how to be in the world, not, not really like paying attention, but just sort of absorbing everything and to be able to have that, that time with, with family, just chilling and, and being around each other. is just precious. And you can't get those, you can't get that time back as they grow, huh? Yeah. And I feel like if you're more, I mean, and everybody, in my opinion, everybody should optimize the morning routine to what the season of life they're at. I am a season of life where my kids are really small. Me and my wife have been together only for like six years. So we really be are very aware and conscious of our time together. We make it a point that uh, we have our relationship practices that happen right in the morning because we want our kids to also see how much we love each other. So because then we kind of go into our own world of work uh, and she goes in her world of work and they go to their own world of learning environment that they have been set up for. They get to see mom and dad only for those many hours in a day and on weekends. So we make it a point that our, our love is also demonstrated in front of them. So they don't feel like they're these two figures that are, uh, you know, kind of passing by in life and not really connected. So morning cuddles don't only include me and my kids, it includes the entire family. Uh, and everybody, that includes my wife, that includes both of us. We make things together. We prepare things together. We get everything uh, thing prepared together so our kids get to see a full, uh, fully present parent. Um, and phones don't come on until, I would say for me, it doesn't come on until nine in the morning. Very rarely would I look at what's happening in the world before I've done my stuff, which happens between 8.30 and 9. And 9 is 9 to 3, I'm a workhorse. I, I work five, six hours a day. I take an hour break in the middle. So I work for five, about five hours a day, but those five hours are work. And then I am on it and I would do everything that needs to be done in those five hours. Let's stick with this a little bit. What, what do you think is the benefit of, of protecting that sort of me time from 8.30 till nine o'clock? Like what, why is that, why is that so important to protect and stay consistent with? 
So I, I view, I view our day as uh, the best visualization that I've seen metaphorically uh, for us to understand ourselves a little bit better on how we operate as human beings is to use our energy system, same as a battery is, uh, is, is operating as. So let's say your cell phone is being utilized or has to be utilized. You charge it to a full level and then you utilize it, right? But if it's depleting energy or it has gone towards end, you recharge it again, right? Now, the battery power of a human being is actually much shorter time span. In my opinion, you have maybe a few hours of energy that you get with a routine, and then you need to do the next for you to recharge yourself. So what would happen in my scenario is that morning 30 minutes is basically me setting myself up for the first three to four hours of the day, right? So it's important for me to have that me time because that's when my mind is getting organized. That's when I am kind of creating, and I don't know how far we go because you're in the biohacking world, but metaphysically, if you want to lean into, this is when I am manifesting my next future. I'm visualizing it. I'm moving towards it. I'm creating that reality in my mind so I can step into the identity of that person that is about to start working. Because I'm a, while I'm the same person, there's a different identity that is present to my kids and there's a different identity that I am as an entrepreneur, right? I'm not hard-nosed entrepreneur with my children. I don't discipline them every five seconds. I'm not trying to say, if you're not following the action plan, you're gonna have consequences. That's not how I parent, but that's how I run my business, right? Business has to be directional. I care about PNL. I don't care about my PNL when I'm talking to my family, right? So it's a, it's a different kind of energy that you need know, to get into for you to have a productive day. So those 30 minutes are set up for me to be at my highest self or highest productive and present self. So not only productive, but my energy, my vibration, my, my state is different. My state is very present to what I'm about to do next. And I know in about three to four hours, because like I said, I'm not, I'm very careful about what I'm doing with my time. It's very important to me every minute of the day. So if you are starting, for example, and this is true for any entrepreneur, right? Most entrepreneurs, especially when they're solopreneurs, and if I can get real for a second, most of the time, they're fucking around. They're not, sorry, I don't know if I can use that word. Absolutely. Okay. They're mostly fucking around, right? And, and let's get very, very real. Here's how most entrepreneurs' daytime looks like. They're on the phone. They're scrolling through, calling it research. And I've seen enough entrepreneurs to know that's what they're doing. They go, oh yeah, I was researching on Instagram for how many hours? An hour. I was like, what were you researching? Where are your notes? Oh, there are no notes. I was researching on Instagram. You're not researching. You're fucking around. You're procrastinating. And you're not procrastinating because you're a procrastinator. Because more ent most entrepreneurs are not procrastinators. They're procrastinating because they're scared. Because they don't have a plan. Because they're fearful of putting something out in the world. They're fearful in their head of a scenario that they have made up. And that's why it's important for you to note what you do with your time, because if you don't protect your time, if you're not mindful of your time, you will have emptiness in your time. If your calendar looks like three hours, I'll write an email or I'll write email sequences, most likely you're not writing it, right? You're nodding means you've met people like that or you have been that person one day, right, John? <laughs> I've Absolutely. been that person. I would, I would acknowledge it. I've been that person. I would put that time and I'll be like, damn, I wrote for the last 20 minutes but I wasted two and a half hours to get to those 20 minutes. Mm. But what I found is that if I was being mindful of my time, if I was being mindful of mindful realization of my potential, I will not allocate three hours to write an email. I would allocate 20 minutes and then I will get it done in 20 minutes. But I must be resourced for those 20 minutes to come through. 
right? If I am tired and I try to write an email in 20 minutes, I won't be able to. And then I will think I'm not good at writing emails. So it's not only about just simply saying, oh, I'll allocate less time, you'll get it done. It's about energy management. Where's your energy? Where's your state? If you're vibrating at a high level, if your energy is high, you can, you can win the world in 20 minutes. Absolutely. You can make the best plan, write the best package, do the highest productivity work, get over your fear. Everything goes to hell when your energy is low. Let's think about it. This is real data. It was found that most relationships or most couples fight in the evening. The discussions, the debates, the disagreements, they happen in the evening. Do you know why? Because yeah. they're both tired. Yeah. They're exhausted. They can't do it. Right? So anything can trigger them off, right? Because they are so exhausted. The tiniest things will trick them. But in the morning, that doesn't happen. Why? Because you just slept. You are fully fueled. So this is where I realized and I started to learn how do you regulate your energy on as frequent a basis as possible? Because what we think is a morning routine will last us the day. It doesn't, yeah. especially for entrepreneurs, because we work really hard. And even if you're not working really hard, we are worrying really hard, right? We sit around and we go, oh, what if this episode doesn't work? What if this guest is terrible? Oh, that was a poor podcast. It is worrying because it's our life is at stake. I get it. But when you worry, you deplete your energy, right? And when you deplete your energy, guess what happens? When you deplete your energy, you now, whatever's the next task that you do, that one sucks too. And then takes, it, it takes even more energy out of you because then that you, you know you didn't do a good job, right? Then you're worried even more. It takes the next task to help. So what we need to do is we need to think about our day, not in the sense of morning routines or evening routines. It needs to be a few hour routines and everybody's energy is different. I need it every three hours. I know in three hours, I need to reset. If I don't reset, I would have crappy three hours after that, right? So right about my first three hours, so nine to 12 is when I go focus zoom in. Around 12 o'clock, I get a good 45 minute break in which I walk, I eat, I listen to what I need to listen to. I catch up with friends anything that fuels me. So I'll find practices that fuel me. I'll stack them for 45 minutes. It also becomes my lunchtime, quote unquote. And that's the first meal I have in the day. So it's important for me to have that at that time. So 12 to 12.45, about approximately I'll be doing that. And 12.45, let's say one to round it out, one to three, 3.30 is my second two and a half, or two, two and a half hours of work. 3.30, I need to hit the gym. It's because I'm, I'm now resetting myself for my home. And now we already know, Sean, that I am somebody, when I'm home, I'm with my kids and with my wife, I'm there. I am not touching the phone. I'm not working. I'm not doing anything, right? Right off the gym, I would go home. I get in the pool with my kids. We hang out. I mean, if season allows, we hang out. We go to the sauna. We go cook some dinner or prepare dinner if it's already cooked. Watch some TV sometimes in the evenings or do whatever activity that we plan for the day. Then we all, then we put kids to sleep. Then it's my, me and my wife time. Basically it's refueling, restacking, energizing because next day, guess what's going to happen at 30 in the morning. I'm going to get my 30 minutes and at nine o'clock, I'm going to go full speed for three hours. Right? So that's how I've structured and I found to be the most effective for any human being to have the most out of their day and not feel depleted at the end of the day. So, and because of which I have a beautiful relationship. We don't fight very often. We don't have big blots. They do happen, but not like how a traditional seven-year-old couples would do. We're not on the verge of like hating each other or anything like that. We absolutely love each other. Our kids have a great time. 
because we are managing our energy through the day. Hmm. Yeah. What an excellent way to start, because I think it's really, really important reminders. And I think that, you know, like, like a lot of coaching ideas, it's stuff that people kind of know subconsciously, they know that more structure, um, protecting their time, being intentional, this sort of stuff, like it, it, you know, that it's true, but you just get sucked away from it. And then you get tired and you get sucked further away from it. And it's hard to be intentional and to have solid boundaries and be smart with your time if you're low energy. If you're low energy, it's really tough to plan out the next day. And so it's this like loop that people get in. Well, I, I can't, I can't be effective because I'm tired and I'm tired, so I can't be effective. And so I think that's a really good place to start. I want to go back to one thing that you said uh, really early about uh about uh I, I sort of toy, toy around with this idea of, of working whether you're an entrepreneur or you have a day job is this sort of distinction between working in the business or working on the business. And a lot of people, especially people who entrepreneurs, but also people at day jobs is that you, you get so caught up working in the business, responding to emails, having conversations, doing research that you don't work on the business. You don't work on your own personal growth. You don't work on your own upward mobility within the company that you're in. So you're constantly inundated by all of these distractions that take you away because you're working in the business, doing the things, clicking on keyboards, but you're th th that lack of vision is working on the business, the business of you as an entrepreneur or the business of you as, as a professional. And <clears throat> I think it's a, it's a big blind spot for people. Maybe you, maybe you can kind of riff on that for a minute. Absolutely. So let's see why does that happen? What happens is every entrepreneur, even somebody who's in a career, starts their career with single asset, and that's themselves, right? You started the business when you first did the podcast or first hosted the podcast. It was you who was the producer, the editor, the, the uploader, the SEO person, everything, right? To cut the clips, everything was the same person, whoever started the thing. Podcast, any project, any, even, even when you start a new job, you literally do everything in the job, right? Because that's how you build what is called a foundational skill to build a career, right? You are a great podcaster today, Sean, because one, when you started, you decided to do everything and you did it long enough that you can have your eyes closed and you'll still crush it, right? The problem with that though, is when you started, that's what was required of you. At some point, there's one skill that dominated everything else. I would assume in your case, it was your ability to talk to the right people in the right way to get the right outcomes. That's probably is your core skill. But because Sean knows everything, it's hard for him to let go. And he just stops focusing on just that one singular skill and keeps doing what he has always been doing, which is everything, right? That's when you continue to work in the business instead of starting to work on the business. Right. And that distinction, because it doesn't occur to us because the transition is kind of weird, right? It just happens that suddenly you have money in the bank account. But as an entrepreneur, you're still anxious and scared. So you're like, I don't know if this money is going to stay. So what you don't do is say, I have money in the bank account. Let me hire somebody to do this. Right. So you don't hire somebody and you keep working in the business, like as if you don't have any money in the bank account and you keep accumulating this money or spending this money on ideas, they may be a little bit out of scope for business, 
right? Because you are trying to create a sense of safety and security for yourself. Right? So you go, oh, I like that idea that somebody else is presenting. Maybe I should pursue that a little bit on the side. And you start putting money there instead of trusting that you've built something great. Let's continue to invest in this, right? Let's hire a team for this. Let's have people do this, right? And because of that reason, you continue to stay working in the business because while your business has grown, you didn't. Mm. You still think you're running the same business that you ran before. And because of that reason, most entrepreneurs end up working in the business even when their business is three, four, five, ten 10 times as big, right? So what does one do? What does one need to think if they were listening to this conversation right now going, oh, damn, what do I do then? Is I have a simple technique. And actually, this would I, I didn't mean to plug the book, but it's a free book to download. The link is below this bad podcast episode. The book's called Live Big. Get it. You will read these ideas in there as well. But here's what I invite any entrepreneur or anybody that has become senior member in their team, or even if they were employed, is to consider. Is if you were to take and make yourself into an organizational chart, so I'll take my example, right? So if Ajit was a business, what would its organizational chart look like, right? There would be the person that produces, for example, or Sean, let's say, because, because everybody knows you here, Sean. So Sean is the head producer. What is the highest leverage work he does? He produces the podcast. I don't know that, Sean, is that's your highest leverage. I'm talking in context of the podcast, right? So in context of podcast, that's the highest leverage for Sean. Now, but Sean also right now, say, is doing audio editing and video editing and is also uploading and this, this, right? So you go, okay, how much is the value of this task? If I was to go out into the free market and try to hire somebody for it, how much would this person cost me, this person cost me, this person cost me, this person cost me, and how much does Sean actually make, right? Sean makes a million bucks, right? But the video editor or the audio editor only costs 20 bucks an hour, 40 bucks an hour. Would Sean actually spend 40 bucks an hour getting this done? Or should Sean actually edit while he makes a million dollars? Suddenly it becomes pretty obvious that Sean shouldn't be editing the video, mm -hmm. right? And that he may not get the same quality of outcome, but he can hire three people doing that thing. And then he will have the same quality of outcome, right? So suddenly you get into this view of your business, which is yes, an organizational structure of you, and this is true for also your household, by the way. If your personal income is high enough and you are still doing laundry, you've got the math wrong. Unless if you like doing laundry, which is a whole different thing. But if you don't like doing laundry and you make enough money, hire help to do laundry. Right? Because that's how you want to think about eventual growth of you as a person, eventual growth of your business. Your business, after a point, is a function of people that you bring in. It has nothing to do with you. It's a myth. We tend to become martyrs. We tend to go, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Look at the sacrifices I made. If you made sacrifices and didn't hire on time, sorry to tell you, you're not an entrepreneur. You are a glorified, high-value worker. <laughs> right? If you're an entrepreneur, build the team. And once you build a team, you will realize there's no point working in the business because more like, most likely a person that specializes in video editing will outperform you mm -hmm. in time, if not immediately. They will outperform you. An audio engineer will outperform you. And if it doesn't, then maybe we need to hire somebody else. But a good audio engineer at a reasonable rate 
will outperform your audio engineering because that's not your specialization. Your specialization is the ability to talk to someone, right? Which is a very unique skill, very hard to find. This is so important. This is so important for, I think, for everybody to hear, because again, whether you're an entrepreneur or you work a nine to five and you have a busy recreational schedule, you know, a lot of my listeners are, you know, highly active They're They do, they've, you know, CrossFit or they like marathons or they roll jujitsu. And, and if you're at a point where you are frustrated with some of the tasks that you have either in your job or in your house, then it's time to make a change. It's time to rethink so that you can grow to that next level. And I and I think that that's a tough jump for people. I think that that's that's a tough thing to wrap their brain around. I think sometimes it comes up with, you know, do I feel worthy of of making these changes? Do I deserve this? Like, what would my life be like if I didn't uh, if I didn't clean my own house? Like. I think we have programming that goes back to grandma and grandpa hassling you. Like, how how dare you have a house cleaner? You should be doing it. You should be washing your own car. You should be doing your own laundry. And so these stories and narratives sort of keep us safe and kind of pinned in and, uh, and keep us from growing. Again, whether you're in a leadership position in, uh, in, in the professional world or an entrepreneur, fascinating stuff. Great place to start. Oh, man, this is great. So um, how do you define self-coaching, Ajit? So self-coaching is your ability to be able to look at your life and find the nuances that may need to change. Self-coaching is your ability to label your emotions. Self-coaching is your ability to really coach yourself through any situation that might be in your life. For example, Sean, you mentioned a beautiful thing, and that does happen with a lot of us, is where we have limitations that we've created in our life because grandma said so. And self-coaching is that idea of looking at a situation like that and starting to question it, starting to wonder if that is really the limitation or the consequence of that story is the limitation that I may have created in my life. And it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point, right? There's beautiful things that have happened because of social media in our lives, beautiful things. We are more connected. We have information. We have data points. We have entertainment on our fingertips. We can really just be in that world and never come out. But there's one bad thing for sure that has happened with social media. And that's every everybody is becoming their own therapist. Everybody finds whatever story and how their parents have messed them up and how their grandparents have messed them up. And they will self-diagnose things they don't even have, right? The favorite being having imposter syndrome. Like in my world, at least, every coach, oh, I have imposter syndrome. I'm like, no, you don't have imposter syndrome. You're just lacking confidence. There's two very different things. You can't solve imposter syndrome easily. Confidence, you can work towards, right? So self-coaching is your ability to be able to view the world in a different light by questioning the world that you live in. If you question the world that you live in, you will find that, oh, there is better ways to view the situation that I'm living in. Say, for example, if somebody's going, hey, listen, and I, I'm just sharing some of the nuggets of self-coaching and how it shows up, right? There's a whole process to it, but if somebody was to go in a reality where they go, well, my grandparents never had anybody help and, you know, uh, they would say you should clean your house or make your bed. Make your bed, you probably still should do, but let's say to clean your house on, on a, a once a week or something like that. Here is a way to question is like, how long have you been not living with your grandfather or your grandparents? And usually a person that is sharing their grandfather's or grandparents story has not lived with their grandparents for 20 years, right? So you've not hung out with them for 20 years, but you are saying that they somehow 
can still nag you in your head and tell you that you cannot get a cleaner. How do, how do they have that kind of control and not you being in control at this point, right? Because here's what happens. We blame others because we think our past defines us. Our past does not define us. Our past informs us of what has happened. And that's all that it is, data. But how you manipulate that data to create the information that you need is what defines what happens now. You could look at the data of your grandparents and go, you know what? My grandparents never had a cleaner and they told me you got to clean your room and you got to clean the whole house. You can take that data and say, that means I cannot hire a cleaner. You can take that data is I will never have my children have such kind of belief because if you can afford it, you should definitely have somebody help you clean the house because they can do a better job at it. You can tell, you can take this data and make whatever story you want, but we choose to make stories that disempower us, keep us comfortable instead of finding stories that empower us. We call it the unfortunate situation of a disempowered thought and empowered thought. A disempowered thought is any thought that stops you from creating the reality that you always wanted for yourself, right? It's the safe place we all like to live in. Most of us live in disempowered thoughts. And then there is the empowered thought. The empowered thought is the belief that we must have today so we can move towards the dream life we always wanted. So ask yourself, the thought that you have right now, cleaning being a simple example, is it a disempowered thought or an empowered thought? If it's a disempowered thought, maybe it's time to let it go. Maybe it's time to choose an empowered thought and see how that makes you feel and makes you move forward towards the future that you actually want. <laughs> well said. What are some of the techniques within self-coaching that you've found to be effective for people? The most effective technique, uh, this is a three-part process. The first part being presence, which is to get really real with yourself, being really honest with yourself, getting present to the moment and really realizing what's happening. The second step to it is to identify what's a disempowered thought, what's an, what's an empowered thought, and then lean into that and be able to choose the empowered thought. That's the second step. And the third part, third, third step is to be or to integrate. So integrate all of that in your life using the tools of habit building, the tools of uh, integrating your social environment to be able to create a reality that actually is more congruent with your dreams, right? Self-coaching is all about living your dream. It's about making your dream a reality to have a greater version of yourself revealed to you and be living that version of you. If I have to give one tool or technique, because again, it has many tools and techniques as a part of self-coaching put together, but one of the things that would help tremendously anyone is to start getting honest with ourselves, getting really present. So what happens a lot of the times is when we are in our reality, in, let's say if somebody is having anxiety or somebody is feeling a little bit more insecure or feeling uncertain, underconfident, I recommend them to start breathing a little bit, breathing slowly. Actually, do you can do box breathing, which is a count of four inside, hold for four and breathe out four. Or you can just simply slow down your breathing. Like breathe one, two, three, and then breathe out one, two, three. And as you slow down your breathing, what happens is your mind starts to calm down and your mind starts to rest. Once your mind starts to rest, you can then start to start to label as to what is the thought that is actually happening? What is the truth of the situation? Not the truth that social media told you, but the truth of your own reality, because it's very different than what social media tells you once you become present to it. You find out that your truth is often not the cute words that you hear on the internet. You don't have those 
you know, situations that have been labeled by psychologists that apparently you have, you don't. Our problems are much simpler than that. Our problems are skill-based problems most of the time. Most of the time, you're not feeling confident. That's okay. If you understand, if you get real and you get honest about it, oh, I'm just not feeling confident, there's a way to get confident. It's a skill-building exercise. You don't get confident on day one, but you do the same thing 10 times and you're confident in it. Try with any new thing that you want. You will start with lack of confidence in that. 10 times you do it, and then you're wildly confident in that. That's just how confidence works. A lot easier to solve, right, than any other psychological jargon that you might have heard and got a label of that you are that. Yeah, that that's a that's a huge huge thing, and especially for younger and younger people who are turning to TikTok to self diagnose this or that. And I've come across you know coaching clients of mine who you know are CEOs and you know talking about their kids who are self diagnosing as autistic uh, because of TikTok videos that they've seen or multiple personality or you know fill in the blank, and and it's. It, it becomes it becomes this super unhealthy, self-centered, almost narcissistic view of the self where man, I, I I'm I'm constantly trying to understand myself, but I'm doing it through TikTok and then I'm diagnosing and then I'm shaping that shapes my reality, how I see myself and I interact with the world. It's it, let's let's stay on social media a little bit because we're all on there. And we all use it differently. What are what are some of the other pitfalls that you see as in terms of social media really dampening our ability to be who we really want to be? So let's understand what social media is. And you're on social media. I'm on social media. We have following on social media. So we understand this a little bit. I'm I'm guessing people who are listening to this have some sense of understanding. And if not, let's help them develop this understanding. Social media is about attention. 100%. If you see a clip going viral, it's because it drew attention to something. What gets our attention? And we've seen this happen again and again using news cycles, right? That's why news cycles are always updating. And what gets in news is things that get attention. Usually attention is created by something that is absolutely true to our values or absolutely against our values. It's about extremes, right? So it's something that you will share on social media is because you absolutely love it and agree with it, or you will share with it because you bloody hate it and you want to fight it, right? Those are the only two reasons why something really goes viral on social media. And that's where all these diagnoses and all these situations kind of appear because they get attention. If I somehow can feel safe by saying I have ADD because I diagnosed that using a video on social media, because I feel safe and I can hide behind that label of ADD, I will share it on social, right? If I share it on social, more people will see it. More people will see it. More people who want to feel safe behind that label will share it. And of mm -hmm. course, eventually all of us end up diagnosing ourselves as ADD. To me, while I understand that that's how algorithms have to work and that's how capitalism works and so on and so forth, I think the narrative I want to push is let's stop thinking labels are bad. Let's stop thinking all these diagnoses are even bad, right? Because what if all these things that we start calling ourselves were always a part of us? What if you are all a little ADD? What's wrong with that? Let's see. Maybe it's an evolutionary thing. Maybe that's just how we evolve as species. 
What if we were all a little bit, you know, fronting in some moments and not fronting in other moments? Instead of calling ourselves bipolar, we can just be having mood swings, mm. right? Because let's be very real. And I'm sure I, I don't have the data right in front of me, but I am certain that 95% of the world doesn't have an extreme case of any of these. They're not extremely bipolar. They're not extremely ADD. They don't need to be on a medication. They just simply have a reality where their mind works differently than other set of people. What is ADD versus not ADD? It's an average. It's a standard. Right? There is a certain level of standard of focus that is expected in the average human being, which, and I'm, I'm going to go a little, uh, I don't know if you want this on your podcast, but yeah, go, a man, little go. bit uh, conspiracy theory here. Do it. Right? So, so here's what happened. And I've, I've spoken to doctors, not in context of ADD, but in other things, in other medical settings. What would happen is, let's say there's an average that's defined. The moment the medical or the, uh, or the uh, pharmaceutical industry drops this average or is able to drop this average, there's a whole different section of people that are now available to medication. For that matter, are recommended to have medication. For that matter, if they don't take medication, it actually implicates them, right? So, and this is a real conversation I had with a doctor just a couple of days ago, where there were some reports that I had. And one of the report, last time they took the report, I was doing perfectly fine, nothing to worry, don't worry about it. This report, they went, oh, you're a little high on this number. I was like, shit, what did I do wrong? Because I have become more and more healthier in the last two years. So I was kind of surprised my number went up. And so I asked, what happened? Can we look at the last report? And then the average of that thing had dropped from like 149 to 99. I was like, how did that happen? Well, like, oh, they just changed the standard. I was like, so three months ago, I was healthy. And three months later, I'm not healthy. My number is the same. So it's not like my number dropped or increased. My number is actually still in the same range as previous time. But now I'm unhealthy. And now I'm supposed to take a medication for it. So I know this is a little bit different from social media, but that's how messed up our society can get sometimes is for capitalistic gains, for gains of pure profit. We could yeah. manipulate data and we do manipulate data to, to, to somewhere, I think, indirectly hurting the society because we are putting more and more people on medication for no apparent reason. ADD, I, have, I work with a lot of people that have ADD and I mean work in the sense of like, I have friends, I have business partners that have ADD. They are incredibly creative people. The most creative people I know have ADD. I don't know why they should be on a medication. Like, it makes no bloody sense to me. I'm like, why would you stop creativity of a person because of some stupid ass thing that somebody says you have? Like, it really doesn't matter, right? So, so that's my challenge with all those narratives. And if we could bring in, and this is which is why I'm so passionate about self-coaching, right? Once you have the skill, you start to question things. You go, is that true? Yeah. Like, this is one of the first things that we ask. Okay, whatever I am believing about myself, is that true? Right? Oh, I have ADD. Is that true? Okay, the doctor says so. What's the standard for it? Right? What's the benefit if I didn't believe that to be true about myself? What if I didn't believe I was ADD, but I believed I'm creative? Or that I can process distinct data really, really quickly and make sense of it, even if other person doesn't understand what I'm talking about? Oh, suddenly you, you, are, you are going to view yourself differently, right? Yeah. You don't think about that you have a uh, you have a challenge, you think you have a superpower. 
you show up differently when you have a superpower because you go, oh, I am seeing things that you can't see. <laughs> right? Now yeah. I'm a superhero. Now, when you're a superhero, do you feel you come up with better ideas with more confidence and create more stuff in the world? Absolutely. But it's the same thing you have. It, it's about how you're viewing it. Yeah. So, so my invitation, and that's why I'm so passionate. Sorry, I went on a tangent there, but that's I'm good. so passionate about this stuff because I think it's going to only increase, right? Social media is not going away. It's only yeah. going to increase. What we can do is we can empower people with tools to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the most important tools that anyone can cultivate is discernment, is to be able to discern, is this true? Is this real? Who's making money on this? You know, if you, if you just ask, follow the money on this post or this headline or this treatment, follow the money. If you start there, changes your worldview. And, and it's tough because that takes a little bit of juice, takes a little bit of energy, takes a little bit of, of passion uh, to be able to have the energy to be able to take in information and ask that important question with discernment because we are tired. We are maybe unfulfilled or out of purpose. We are stretched for time. We're not eating well or moving well. We're not grounding or sleeping. And so it's tough. You just sort of like, you just get, you read a headline and you say, okay, well, I guess that's the way it is. And that's so disempowering and, and, and it's getting worse. And you're you're in the right place, Ajit, to ask these questions and have these conversations and go on these tangents because um, that's a big part of what I do here is to ask these ask these hard questions around you know especially you know health intervention health inter interventions. Um, you know, you mentioned that you got healthier over the course of the last couple of years, um, and and I wonder if that. Was a result of what happens, what happened in the last sort of three and a half years, and 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 so any any sort of change or transformation in personal development physically uh, comes with some sort of catalyst. And so um, I'm curious about what was it? What was it that that made you want to change um, how you ate and how you moved? So there was an incident in my life that happened that that led to this change. So I, I had my daughter at the time. So she was just born. Uh, so my wife was taking care of my my daughter. Her name's Isla. And, uh, and we were having a great time. One of the afternoons with my son was two at the time. I said, let's go out and play. You know, like we've been home. It's just like the first month of, of birth. So, you know, I was supporting my wife, but still at the same point of time, not being able to spend as much time with my son. So like, let's go out, you know. It's afternoon time. Let's just go out and play. And I live in Austin, so it was a little hot outside. Um, we go out to the park. I take them, take him, uh, and we were just throwing ball and just hanging out and running behind each other. You know how two-year-olds are. Uh, so I'm running and I'm running, I'm running, and I'm running away from him, and we're playing tag, and, and we're just having a good time. And then in a few minutes as we were running, I start to breathe really heavy. Breathing really heavy, breathing really heavy. And I'm like, okay, Ari, Ari, Ari. I need a break. I need let's let's we've been running for a minute. Let's let's take a break. Take a break. And of course, he's a two-year-old. He doesn't want to take a break. He wants to play. So he goes, No, 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 it's not being long. Come on, run, 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 dada, run, dada, run. Let's run. And and I'm breathing heavy. And I'm like, come on, we've been running for so long. Like, I'm tired now. And he looks at me, and you know, like a two-year-old doesn't have a filter. 
but also has the most honest things to say, right? Um, so he looks at me dead in the eye and goes, Dada, you always tired. And that hit home different, you know? Um, at a two-year-old, she didn't have a father that's always tired, right? I have never, never imagined myself as that father that wasn't able to play with his kids and wasn't able to have fun with his kids and who was always tired. I was like, I don't want to be that guy. That's not me. That's not my vision of myself. And somewhere along the way, somewhere in the chase of life, I've lost direction. I've lost the sense of why I did what I did. I always wanted to be the father that, that when my son's 16, he looks at me and he's like, you know, that's, that's how, that's a athletic competition even at that age. Like that's the father that I'm proud to take to school. That when his friends come into, the, into my view, they go, whatever your dad's doing for workout, we want to do the same. Like I want to be that dad. I, I want to be the, the cool dad that a 16-year-old that a still feels is cool. Like an 18-year-old still feels like this is a dad. You know, that's how dads should be. Right? I want to be that dad. Now, I don't know if it happened or not happened, but that's my ambition. That's my vision of myself, right? And I'm going to chase it. And that day I made a decision that that's just not okay. Like, I don't want to be that dad. I don't want to be rich and be unhealthy or rich and not be able to run with my kid up and down the stairs. I don't want to be rich and not be able to take a hike with my, uh, with my grandkids. That's just not okay. I am settling. And at that moment, it also occurred to me is, is who am I to go out in the world of coaching and say, we all can be great and have everything we want while I don't have everything that I want. Not that it should discount anyone, but it was for me to look at myself and be real and honest with myself. Mm. It's like, if I am not playing full out, who am I to tell everybody else to play full out? And that changed everything. And that, that first sent me on a quest and really trying to figure out what even healthy is. I am vegetarian, have been vegetarian until now in my life. And so I had to figure out how to really get healthier while having lots of vegetables and fruits and everything while still maintaining a certain level of protein because I also want to look the part, not just be internally healthy, but actually look healthy, right? So two years ago when I started this journey, my body fat percent was 25 and I was uh, 37, 36 and a half, 37. Um, now I am 39 uh, and I just measured my body fat last week and I'm 13%. Mm. Um, and my aim is to get to 10. I don't want to be single. That's probably too much. Uh, and I also want to still have some fat on me. Uh, but 10% is what I'm going for right now. Um, and I think I'll get there. I'm in no rush, but I've gotten significant. And it's just those are the numbers, of course. But because you probably understand what the meaning of those numbers are, I don't have to explain it to you. But it feels different. You're a different mm. human being. You have a different sense of energy. You have a different sense of clarity. You have a different sense of focus, which is why I can do three straight hours of work and not blink an eye. Like I'm like focused. I don't need coffee. I drink one coffee in the morning, like I talked about, like the strong one. And that's pretty much it. And, and that's because, you know, uh, I am just so much fitter and so much healthier. That's so cool. I'm so glad you shared that story with me. Um, it's near and dear to my heart too. I, I want to be the cool fit dad too. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> how can I do, you know, a fitness, nutrition, biohacking, it's called optimal performance. And I'm, you know, a little thick in the face, like that's not going to work, you know, um, yeah. I want to be able to continue. I want to be able to hold my seven-year-old 
who's a beast and also a bag of groceries and not feel like I'm going to hurt myself. Like, like yeah. these, these practical, uh, you know, indicators for, for sort of strength and fitness means a lot, means a lot for me. That's great. Um, another concept and, and this time is flying by, um, but another concept that I, that I, that I think is really, really important, especially relevant today for people who, where we are just inundated with information all day, every day is the dilemma of choice. And so if you could please explain and unpack this, this idea of dilemma of choice and what, what we can do about it. What do you mean by we a dilemma of choice? Are you taking decisions, how to make decisions? Is that the curiosity? I mean, what, what's, well, what's well, well, yeah. I mean, the way that I'm thinking about it is, you know, kind of, kind of piggybacking off of social media, being, having exposure to different ideas, having exposure to different opportunities, mm-hmm. whether it's in career or in relationship or in spiritual development or fitness, nutrition, like we, we we're we're constantly bombarded with opportunities to make choices and we get stuck. And I know that you've, you know, you've worked on this and unpacked this before. Yeah. So I think the trick here for me was like you, like everybody, we are exposed to so many ideas and we are constantly exposed to new ideas because the world is becoming better and better every single day, right? There is new ideas that are being present to us every single day. And they are better than the previous ideas that we had a hundred percent. And as I was building my business, contextually to my business, it's an easier thing to understand for me. And that's where it really landed and changed my whole life is in business, when I started my business, Evercoach, is I, I said, okay, I, I, was, I was running a large company at the time called Mind Valley, which is a beast in personal development. Uh, and as I quit that job, I had to come back to reality because this was a new business. It had no funding. I was funding it myself. You know, I was starting from zero. And so as I started building this business, I realized I was always thinking about what's the other thing I can do? Because that's, again, I I had a lot of time, a lot of energy. I was doing the thing that we talked about previously where I was the editor, the creator, the video person, the YouTube guy, everything, right? So because I was doing everything and I didn't have enough resources, I would take on ideas and I would start the ideas because I would think these are the right ideas for my business and often I would never be able to finish it. And I would start the next one and I would not be able to finish it. And I was, I was finding myself in this cycle of constant incompletion. And every time I would not finish something, I observed that I felt a little bit less likely to be successful. Like I felt like in my bones, I would be like, oh, this business is not going to work, right? And I realized it was because I wasn't clear on what I wanted. I was clear on what the world wanted of me. So I did things that the world said I should do because I wanted you, everybody outside, to validate that I was doing the right things that I will be successful. I didn't define what it means to me to be successful. I didn't define, I wasn't clear on what is it that I want. And so, because I don't know what I want, the best I could do is do what the world wants of me, right? Making choices became easier and easier the clearer I got of what I want, right? There's a reason. I could work 12-hour days like people tell me they do, right? Have you not met entrepreneurs who have two kids who are two and four and they're working 12-hour days? We have met. We have met such individuals and they are, yes, maybe successful. But that's not what success looks like to me, right? 
And once I define what success looks like to me, it becomes really easy to make the choice that at three digits, you need to hit the gym because it's important to me that I'm not just successful financially, that I look the part, that I look this way, I feel this way every day. Not even look, not even for you, for me, right? That when I am with my wife, it doesn't feel like she's walking around with somebody who doesn't take care of himself. It feels like she absolutely deserves this guy and this guy absolutely deserves her. Both of them are fucking sexy, right? Even if they don't talk to us, right? That's how I want to walk into a room. When I'm playing with my kids, I want them to get tired first, <laughs> right? So I know what success looks like for me. And the clearer I get off that, the easier our choices. Now, there are tools to be able to also priority rank things. And I'll give you a tool that often is very helpful in business for sure. But it starts with you being clear on what you want. You, you will always, it's a, it's a beautiful quote. It says, if you don't choose your destiny, the, your destiny will be chosen for you. If you don't choose your destiny, your destiny will be chosen for you. And that simply means that if you don't define what is it that you want and you don't chase exactly what you want, and it cannot be single dimension because then that's what you're going to get. Then don't complain about life if you only become really wealthy and cannot keep a relationship or your kids don't love you because you define that for yourself. So if you choose your destiny, the destiny is going to happen. But if you don't choose it, everybody else gets to def define it. And when everybody else gets to define it, you're the least important person. <laughs> it's not designed for you then, it's designed for them, right? It's a little bit selfish, but it's important for us to have control on how we are shaping our reality and what's important, what's not important, especially if you're a leader in your profession and your work in your house. If you're the leader, you better define it or you'll be following somebody else's design if you don't design it, right? Now, if it's specific to business, there's a simple model that you can use to further define once you know what you want on what to choose. And that is to define the parameters that are important to you. The reason why I'm picking the example of business is because in business, usually the parameters are same. You want to turn a profit. You want it to be successful. You want it to be easy. You, know, you want it to be fun. Simple parameters, usually most business entrepreneurs want that in their business, right? It's not very variant. In personal life, it changes a lot. So if you were to take a business and you had 10 different business ideas, here's how you choose the best idea. You define the parameters of success. I like four simple parameters. I like my businesses that are leveraged so I can get success faster on it. I want them to be easy because I don't want to work overly hard for something that I don't know will work or not. I want them to be low risk and high return. It's four criteria. Leverage, ease, risk, and return. These are the four criteria for a business idea to be chosen first or second. What I would do is I would make a table. I would write leverage, ease, le leverage, ease, risk, and return on the leftmost column. And on the top, I would write the idea one, idea two, idea three, idea four. And then I would value rank each of these across leverage, ease, risk, return, each of the ideas on a scale of one to five. One being low score, five being high score. Only in the case of risk, it would be inverted, right? Because you want it to be low risk and high return. You want to be low risk, right? So if something is low risk, you will rate it higher, right? Everything else, you will just rate simply. If it's high leverage, you will go five. If it's low leverage, you'll do one, right? Intuitively, you'll know answers to your 
ideas that, oh, this has leverage in my business. This is a little bit more complicated to, this is high risk, this is high return. And you value rank across all these four parameters for a business. And then once you total it up, you will see one of the ideas will have a far superior score than the other, other three or four that you're rating it against. And that's the idea you go for first. Mm-hmm. Simple, simple way to measure once you know what you want. So the first step is to know what you want. The second step is to put clear parameters that are important to you and then weigh your idea against it. And then you make the choice. Here's the challenge that currently anybody that is struggling with choice is making. They have no way of choosing. They just have choices in front of them, mm-hmm. right? They have, oh, I have these 10 things I can do, but they have no way to actually know how to pick. They haven't defined that for themselves. And because you don't know how to pick, you will pick whatever comes to you first or what somebody else wants to push to you first. It is also why we buy things that are sold to us easily. The best salesperson wins. Why? Because you're not making the choice. They are making the choice. (laughs) They just knew how to sell it to you. That's it, right? So that's why it's important to know your criteria of selection. And you'll find that it's actually not hard to make choices. I'm not trapped by choices, right? Because I've defined what's important to me. And then I put a criteria towards each. And you can do this for everything, by the way, not just for business. You can do it for a relationship. You can do it for your parenting. You can do it for your wealth allocation. You can do it for health. You can do it for all of it. Just go, what's important to me? Where am I trying to go? What is important to me overall? What's my criteria of selection? And then weigh it against that and say, which idea works best? Go back and listen to that. (laughs) Everybody, go back and listen to that again. Because what Ajit has given you is a very simple and very effective tool to make better choices. (laughs) What's important to you? How do you want your life to be? Just go, go back and listen to it. Just go, we'll wait, just go back and rewind and go listen to that. Because if you are stuck and you don't have a path forward to make the choice, make a good choice, that will do it for you. And it doesn't take long. It's not going to take you three hours to do. It may take 20 minutes, 30 minutes, but I really, really think that that's super useful for people, you know, um, especially listeners of this podcast who are high energy, who have a lot of good ideas, who either want to create side gigs or want to make their side gig their main thing. Um, yeah, that's that's fantastic. Really, really good. Um, it's, it's so related to what you do as well, Sean. Getting optimal performance out of yourself is not yeah. about doing more, right? <laughs> it's about doing the right things. And, and we know that, right? Intuitively, we all know that to be true for us. But sometimes because we are high performers, we think it's about more. It's not about more. That's an excellent reminder. Today's episode is brought to you by Primal Health Coach Institute, created by the godfather of the paleo and primal movement, Mark Sisson, with the mission to develop highly skilled health coaches who can make their passion for health a fulfilling and abundant career. The Primal Health Coach Institute is a program renowned for offering the most in-depth and up-to-date ancestral health education in the world. It doesn't just create health experts, it certifies health coaches who are true catalysts for behavior change by providing robust coaching education that empowers you to coach with confidence. What I think is one of the most important aspects of the Primal Health Coach Institute is business knowledge and marketing resources that ensure their certified Primal Health Coaches have the best business know-how and marketing resources to thrive in the wellness industry. Go to Primal 
mentalhealthcoach.com forward slash optimal performance and use the code optimal25 for 25% off tuition. That's primalhealthcoach.com forward slash optimal performance and use the code optimal25 for 25% off tuition. Go check it out. Before we turn the mics on, you shared with me that you you bought back the rights to your book, um, Live Big, and now it's free for people. And yeah. if you are, you know, you're vibrating with this, you're jiving with this information, you're, you like what what Ajit is is sharing with you. Um, Ajit, maybe maybe tell people who who is this book for, and who is it not for, and and what they might expect from. Uh, from it now that they have free access. Absolutely. So the book was is written for entrepreneurs, it's entrepreneurs as their focal point, but it's valuable for anyone. The book focuses on three key areas that I think is important for anybody to live a big life. First is purpose. You need to have some sense of meaning and direction. So the book helps you be able to discover the meaning and purpose that you may be sometimes struggling to find, or even if you have found, you may not have refined. So it helps you refine that sense of purpose or direction of purpose that, that you may want to establish. The second thing is you want to live a passionate life. So it helps you understand passion from a very different point of view. It gives you a way to really rethink your passion and be able to fine tune it to fit your purpose, to be able to move towards your purpose, it connects the dots. And lastly, it leans into practicality. Practicality is things that we talked about, like how to make a choice, uh, how to have only four hours of work day or four or four days a week, how to live that life. Can you live that life? Is that even possible? How do you design it? What are the principles behind it? What are the practices behind it? They're all part of this book. I wanted to write one book that a person that sees themselves as an optimal performer, a high performer, somebody who's doing creating waves in the world can just pick up, open any page, and in five minutes, we'll get enough value that can fuel their entire day. So the book is written to be read however you want. You don't have to start with the first chapter to the last chapter. You can start with any chapter. It'll give you an idea for the day. So it's one of those books that I really hope people keep by their bedside right before they go to bed. The physical copies, the digital copies, maybe in the morning, right before you start to work, because you don't want, want that blue light before you go to sleep. Uh, but something that you wake up in the morning gives you a little, okay, that's how it resets you for the day, gives you a little focus, gets you going. Or it's an easy enough read that you can read in an hour and a half. So I've written it very easy to consume. There's tons of tools in it. And it is designed for people who want to get more from life because they, they don't want to settle for less because I don't want to. That's why the book is called Live Big is because we all can. Mm. Just got just a couple more quick questions before we before we wrap this thing up. This has been just so so fantastic. Thank you for for all this wisdom. Um, what what do you what's one strong opinion that you have that people think you're crazy for? Oh, a strong opinion that I have that people think. Well, a lot of uh, people in biohacking think I'm crazy to be vegetarian. <laughs> I don't know if that is really a thing or not, but they do think that I'm a little crazy to say I'm vegetarian and, and I only follow a vegetarian diet. I might change that though. So we'll see. Interesting. Uh, the I, I just released an episode today with a Wade Lightheart and Matt Gallant from BioOptimizers. I don't know if you're familiar with that company. They make mm -hmm. best-in-class supplements and um uh, Macalant has been keto for like 20 years and Wade Lightheart has been plant-based for 20 years. And he's like a Canadian bodybuilding champion. And they laid out 
you know, basically this, it's called the ultimate nutrition Bible. Um, really Wonderful. fascinating. It's a really, it, they're, they're, they've got a lot of really interesting new ideas on that. So <clears throat> if you're thinking about, you know, adding liver or oysters or whatever to your diet, maybe, maybe go check that out. I think you'd probably get a lot out of it. Huh? Yeah. I would definitely check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one more quick question and then a fill in the blank and then we'll take this thing home. Um, what's one thing that you have changed your mind about in the last, say, three years? I I change my mind all the time about things. I'm not somebody who's, is, I question a lot clearly, as as you may have heard today in, the, in our conversation. Lately, what I, I I used to, I would say three years ago, I was I was struggling a little bit in context of my business, and I was wondering if I was meant to be, and if there was something called meant to be successful or not. And I don't believe that anymore. I think anybody can be, if I can be, anybody can be wildly successful at what they do. Uh, it is matter of few factors, but that's something that. I used to think that that there's, you know, some people are meant to be and some people are not meant to be. I had that kind of a belief that, oh, that mm. person is good because they're successful because they've got the face for it or they've got the background for it or whatever the story I came up with. I don't believe that anymore. Interesting. I want to scratch at that just a little tiny bit, if you'll allow me. What 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 was it that that shifted that for you? I mean, because frankly, because when you say that, and I can, I can grok that, right? I can get on board with that. I mean, I'm a coach too, so I believe that people can be phenomenal, extraordinary people. But if you're not, there are some people that just maybe, I don't know, that just don't, that don't have it or don't want it bad enough. Maybe they, maybe they can't be uh, world class. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just want to challenge and push back a little bit about what, what was it that, that made you change your mind on that? So it was, it is true. So what I'm, I would still agree to the fact that they should want it, but can they have it versus do they want it are two different things, right? So can they have it? The answer is yes. And the reason why I believe that is because I, I saw increasingly when I studied people, the more I studied people who were successful in any terms, the more I found that they had all the signs of not being successful. Everything, right? So there is no diagnosis that is suggestive of who becomes successful. It depends on what they chose to believe, what they chose to do, what they didn't choose to do. So you could change your destiny today is what I believe now. If, and, and that literally is what's happening with my life. If you really think about it, go three years before, you will see me as I was just another entrepreneur in the coaching space. I wasn't the most dominant voice. I had done the business for four or five years at the time. We were doing okay. We had like a $3 million company, which was okay. But there was nothing that I, a person would say, you know what? I can see Ajit being somebody in the future. For five years into the business, we were not anything significant. But then I decided that that's just not true. It's not design. It's not by design. There is no characteristics except maybe in the celebrity industry where maybe there are characteristics. Uh, but that's a very different thing. I'm talking about life generally, right? Uh, business, profession, coaching, endurance athletes. Maybe there's an age where you start, but then it doesn't mean it ends after. You just go into a different category of performance. And, and I found more and more people that I looked up to also that a lot of times they became successful much later when they shouldn't have been. 
Like there was no reason or evidence that was suggestive of, oh, now this person. Do you know, I was recently uh, listening to Dave Asprey. Do you guys know Dave Asprey? Does this tribe know Dave? Yeah. Right. So I, I've hung out with Dave a couple of times, but I didn't know his story. And I recently was uh, listening to his story. And he's not supposed to be a biohacker. What are you talking about? He was a 300-pound man living in Silicon Valley trying every diet on the face of the planet. Now, he's called father of biohacking somehow, right? And he turned that corner when he was like 45 or 50. At that age, usually people are thinking about their retirement plan. Mm -hmm. But he chose something different, right? So it's not that... And if you meet, like meet your heroes, I've met pretty much all of my heroes. And when you meet them, you realize they're just another dude, just another girl. Like they got nothing special. If you really talk to them, sit down with them, have a coffee with them, they are, they're as normal as you and I. There's nothing special about them. Like there's no, I mean, there is special, of course, about them, which is why they're successful, but there's nothing special that you would go, oh, that's why they're successful. You can make up a story about why they were successful, but it's not true. It's just now that we justify their success. But otherwise, they like I've sat down with people who are wildly successful and they still chew with like, you know, a lot of noise. And I'm like, I don't know, bro. How did you do this? <laughs> like, my kid doesn't make this much noise when he eats. Uh, but that happens and that's okay. Uh, and I realized that's true for for everybody that I met. And like I said, I've met pretty much all my heroes. Uh, and I, I'm still impressed by the work and things that they've created, but it's 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 untrue that it was fundamentally they were meant to be. Mm -hmm. They built themselves to be, which means anybody can. Till the time you can dream that dream, and that's that's an important thing. You can't dream a small dream and hope that you will become something big. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't have a small dream and have a big outcome. It's just not possible, right? You need to have a crazy dream to live a big life. You need to have a grand purpose to live a life, uh, to live a big life, because that's how big life is created. That's how you get to live big. You, you gotta, you gotta, and it, it sometimes is bestowed on you. That does happen, that people just wake up to a mission and vision in their life. I'm not that guy, and most of us are not. Let's be very real. But here's the fun thing. You can make it up. You absolutely can make it up. You can go, you know what, what I would like, I would like to be taken care of every day while I create the content I want to and then somebody edits for me. You can dream that dream. You can dream the dream of somebody edits it for me. For the matter, I'm invited to many podcasts and many people talk to me and thousands of listeners download every episode. Heck, millions of listeners download every episode. And you can dream that dream. You can make that your purpose. And if you make that your purpose and you commit to it, and you say, hell yes, I'm going to do everything in my power to be able to get to this. I'm going to make the right choices. I'm going to not waver from this goal. I'm going to believe this belief. I guarantee you it'll come true. <clears throat> you have to believe it long enough. You've got to pursue it long enough. And you got to mean it. you got to really believe it. Once you believe it. Can I tell, a, I know we have time is up, but can I go a tangential story Please. just to show how powerful this is? Yeah. So, earlier this year, I had a chance to speak in front of 2,000 people. There were 2,000 people in the audience. I absolutely loved the experience. And I, I had a dream after that. I was like, you know what? It would be amazing to speak in front of 10,000 people. That would be just amazing to fill a stadium. I don't know if I'm filling the stadium or not, but it will be amazing to stand in front of 10,000 people and speak in front of 10,000 people and not just speak, 
like speak with so much love and energy and power that people go, what a speaker. And they stand up on their feet and they go, yay. I was able to impact those many lives. So it was a visceral dream in my bones. I get chills even today, right? Because that's a dream. Three months later, I was invited to speak in front of 8,000 people. Now I had to decline it because I'd committed to a friend that I'm going to go to their wedding and I'm a man of my commitment. So I am going to the wedding, which is fine. I'm okay with it. But I, the reason why I'm sharing this story is there is not much difference in the guy that spoke in front of 2000 people and dreaming in front of 10,000 people, except the fundamental belief that I can speak in front of 10,000 people and I'm preparing myself for it. I've become a better storyteller. I've, I've never done podcast rounds. This is the first time I'm doing podcasts. It's because I know I'm preparing myself for that 10,000 person stage. I know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. I'm expecting it to happen and I know it will happen, but it took that big dream for me to do even this action, right? Of me showing up and talking to you on this podcast. It's not something that I do normally. It's because I have a big dream. I am preparing for that 10,000 person stage, right? So once, once you learn this trick, if I may call it that, you realize that everything is possible for everyone. Brilliant. <laughs> Love it. Okay, let's, before I ask the last question, which is a fill in the blank question that I've asked hundreds of times, literally, um, if you could tell people where to go on the internet, where would you send them? Like to follow me or generally in life? <laughs> <laughs> to follow you to follow yeah, you okay cool uh well uh, well to follow me would be instagram would be good uh real coach ajit is my handle follow me on instagram uh but right now i would invite you to just just go get a free copy of live big uh the link should be somewhere in the show notes my team must have sent it to you sean uh, and you just get a free download of the book it's a great great book if you love this interview you'll love that book Excellent. Okay. So the last question, fill in the blank. This can be based on really anything that you wish. You can elaborate as much or as little as you want. Please fill in the blank. Everyone would benefit from knowing. Everyone would benefit from knowing. Everyone would benefit from knowing that it's all about love and service. The reason why I say that is because I feel from my point of view, we are wired for it as human beings. Fundamentally, you meet a kid, they wanna help, they're loving, they're giving, and somewhere along the way, we forget it. And when we forget this truth of our souls, we operate from just not good places and we do things that we don't even want to do and we regret them later in life. So my invitation would be that it would benefit everyone if we start giving ourselves the consideration that we can all always operate from love and service. Ajit, thank you for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast, my man. Thank you so much, Sean.